Lord. And today I'm going to talk about raising kids, because uh, we all see them around. Talk about how we can be used of God to help develop children. And you know, this is a huge issue for anyone who has children, because you hear them squawking, yelling, screaming every single day. Amen? Amen. And uh, you know what? I want this to be a big issue, not only for moms and dads who have little kids at home. I want this to be a big issue for those whose kids are grown and gone, and those who maybe don't have any kids of your own, because here's what I want us to understand today. We all influence children around us. Every one of us. If you walk in the church with a sour face and a kid is running by and you go, I said stop running! Guess what? You just influenced a kid. But if you maybe even see the same kid running and you stop and you kneel down and you say, hey, Bob, how you doing? You talk to him and you, no, it would be Anthony. You can pick on him, right? Because mom and dad aren't here. <laughs> Tell Pastor Paul I picked on his son. Hi, Anthony, how you doing? Man, you're really running really fast through the church. You're a fast runner. But you know what? Running's probably for outside, not for in here. But I'll go outside with you right now and race you. I've raced Anthony. So I have. I'll go outside right now and race you, and uh, let's go outside and race, and then we'll, you know, whatever. You get the point. You influence kids. And how we act towards children makes a big impact um, because they're incredibly impressionable and incredibly um, open to what's going on around them. See, God's plan for this church is that we are a family that produces wonderful, spiritually strong children who will then grow up and be used of God to change the world. Because ultimately that's what God's all about. He's about, he takes people and he uses them on his mission to bring the, the kingdom of God to the four corners of the, of the wor- world. And that starts with children. That task of raising those kids falls upon our shoulders. So I want to talk today about, about raising children in families and, and also then apply it to us as, as, individual, or as individuals in the church. You know, we all know something about children. Either we are one or we were one a long time ago. Ray, can you remember being a kid? You can. You can still remember back then. No TVs. No cars. Did you have a car when you were a little kid? You, okay, you had cars. Okay, I know my dad grew up. They didn't have a car until he was 16. Um, You didn't drive far because there's no gas to put in the car because of World War II. You know, um, you walked, of course, five miles to school uphill both ways in the snow. We know that. But um, either you are a kid right, either you are a kid right now, or you were one sometimes in your life. And and many of us will get the opportunity to raise children during our lives, or at least be a major influencer of children as aunt or uncle or or family friend. And church, I am convinced that some of the aspects of raising kids well, of influencing them properly, don't come naturally. You weren't born with an instinct to know how to do some of this stuff. Some of it, you are. I was always amazed how Suzanne, I think she was about 20 when we had Josh. She was 20. How she's a 20-year-old you know, young lady, just such a great mom. It just came naturally, the, the, the mom stuff, the taking care of them, changing the diapers and the feeding and all that kind of stuff. And, and when dad said, no, nah, there's nothing wrong with him, and then she'd take him to the doctor and find out there was, that she really was a way better parent than I was. Some of it comes naturally, but some of it doesn't come naturally. There are things that we need to learn, and I'll say this, there are things in affecting children and rearing children that we need to unlearn. 
Some of you learned some bad ways of parenting and, and influencing kids from your parents. They learned it from their parents. It's not to get mad at. It's not to be angry at your parents. They didn't know any better, probably. Maybe they did. But either way, let it go. But the fact of the matter is, there's some things we got to unlearn and some things that we have to learn in order to really influence children properly. And what I hope for today is that God stretches our thinking about raising kids and he helps us to be better today than we were yesterday. That's always my goal. I always just look to take one step forward. Grab your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms with me. Psalm 127. Psalm 127, we'll read three verses here. Starting verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I meaning children, not arrows. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Look what it says here. The, the, the main point I want to make from that verse is this. It says children are a gift and a reward from God. Children are a gift and a reward from God himself. Now we all understand about the birds and the bees. We understand how biologically children are formed. But to be great parents, we need to stand on the foundation that children are more than just a biological creation. That they are gifts and rewards from God himself. Because we'll look at rearing children different. If we look at them as just a, resp- a result of biology, or we look at them as a gift that came down from heaven, we'll look at it differently. And we need to realize that, that in, in his giving of gifts, that God himself has entrusted these gifts to us. That God's gifts, children are gifts and rewards, and then he, God himself takes these gifts and he puts them into our hands. In fact, he has created life in such a way that parents of, of, of people are the greatest influence that a child will ever have. Think of the difference between a child that's born to a human and a, and a baby that's born to something else. You know... I'm always amazed. I watch, you know, outdoors shows, and I'm just amazed at how uh, an animal, a, ba- a giraffe, with them long legs, can have a baby giraffe, and within a couple minutes, it's standing up, and within a couple hours, it's running, you know, through the through the Serengeti. But a baby, human, we have it, and for a couple of years, it can't do anything for about, you know, how many months it can't even roll over. Then we celebrate. He ate. We really celebrate. He stopped pooping in his pants. You know, we look at all these things as monumental milestones. You know, we're saying, a little, a little giraffe could live on his own in like three hours. We're celebrating because my kid's three, because he's, and he stopped filling his diapers, you know. And so kids, human babies, are dependent upon their parents much more than other animals of the world. We're different. Praise the Lord, God made us different. You know, and then even after those first few years of high, of high dependence, they're really dependent on us all the way up until they're, they're adults. You know, all kids want to flex their muscles and say they can do it on their own. One of the greatest joys of a dad, not a joy, one of the greatest things every dad gets to do is say, fine, there's the door. And they go, well, wait a minute. I can't really make it on my own right now. You know why? There's a dependence there. God has entrusted us with this. God gave us the gift of children so that we'd have this long period of influence 
And over this long period of influence, we could influence them for Him. That's why God gives us the gift. So that we could influence children for Him. And I want you to understand something. Maybe you've never thought of parenting this way before. But this will revolutionize how you deal with your kids and your grandkids and somebody else's kids. It is a ministry unto the Lord that He entrusts us to parent or grandparent children. Parenting, grandparenting, influencing children is a ministry that God entrusts us to. You say, I don't have any ministry. Yeah, you do. You have a ministry. The one ministry you have, for sure, we all do, is a ministry of influencing properly children so that they become children who love and serve the Lord. And you know what? That extends not just to mom and dad. It extends to this whole thing we call the church family. So we have a ministry of influencing children. So raising kids, shaping kids, is something we need to take very seriously. It's not something, it's not just a matter of biology. It's a matter that God gave them to us, and He expects some stuff out of it. And, and so the question is, when we think about it, is what in the world do we do? How do we do it? How do we raise children properly? And, you know, how come they didn't come with an instruction manual? They didn't. How do we do it? Well, that's a question that Suzanne and I have been asking from before Josh was born. He was our firstborn been asking that of, of, of ourselves over and over. And over and over the years, what we've tried to do to become equipped as parents, because remember, there was things we had to unlearn. We constantly talk about, okay, this is how I was raised, but this is the negative effect of it. Let's not do it that way. And then we say, well, what can we do different? And we're constantly trying to learn as we do that. And, and uh, um, one of the things we try to do as we learn is we've tried to learn from other people. We try to look at people... And this is a judgment call, but we look at people and we say, man, I really like the way their kids are, how their kids have turned out, and we will get together with them, we'll sit down over coffee and we'll say, what did you do? And we've done that for our entire span of raising kids, because we understood, we had gifts from God that God was expecting us to do something with, and we understood after we had them, I don't know what to do with this thing, you know, help. And so we began to look to people for help, we began to ask questions. And we look at these families and, and we would... Uh, um, trying to say, what can we learn? So we've always trying to learn from somebody else. I want to tell you about a family that I've tried to learn from. There have been a couple of them that are very influential. But there's one family, it was a situation where I was alone, Suzanne wasn't there. Once I was, a number of years ago, probably boy, 10 years ago at least now, um, I was on a missions trip to Central America. And... This whole group of people went. I was invited. I was asked to come on this missions trip. A guy called me on the phone and said, I think God wants me to take you on a missions trip. Um, I didn't even know the guy. He said, our church will pay your entire cost if you'll go with us. <laughs> I didn't have to pray about it. I missed our 15th. That's how long it was. It was our 15th anniversary. I said, I don't think I can. It's my 15th anniversary. I went home to Suzanne and she said, are you nuts? Free trip. <laughs> go. You know, we can celebrate before or after. You know, and so, she, you know, there was no, I didn't have to, you know, bring roses to try to make things up. She's like, go. Great opportunity. You know what? And that's what marriage is all about. And so I went on this mission trip to Central America. And one of the families that was on the trip, there was a family that had a mom and a dad. Um, everyone else is just single people, individuals, but this one was a mom and dad and two kids. Um, and they'd been married probably, I would guess they'd been married 25 years probably at the time. They had a 19-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. And I was with them for 10 days. 
we worked um, building a teen challenge um, center in this country we're at. And so we worked in the hot ba baking sun every day together. You know, that'll tell you what somebody's really made of. Working hard, laying block. I taught their 16-year-old son how to screed concrete. It's one of the things I learned in college that I wish I didn't know. But um, how, to, how to strike off concrete. And so me and him, we, the platform at that teen challenge center, big oval round semicircle platform, him and I built that. You know, we built the whole thing. We did this block. We poured the concrete. We walked out and we said, look what we did. It's ready for the people to come put tile on it. Well, while we were there, I watched their family because something struck me as I watched them over 10 days together in the hot sun, you know, getting dysentery. Everywhere time I go travel, I get dysentery. It was great, you know. So they got to put up with me, you know, and other people were getting sick. Um, and this is what I observed about their family. In 10 days of a kind of stressful situation, I never heard one harsh word. Not one. I never saw the kids fight. Ever. I never even heard them, seen them kind of fighting, course suggesting none of it. But what I did see was constant complimenting, and I heard joking and laughing, and they were real, and they were poke fun of each other, have fun. But it was just, it was, I sat there and I go, are these kids from Mars? You know, I really did. I'm thinking, these kids are like, wonderful. They all love each other. Mom and dad are having fun. You know, they're not going for a ride with me sometime in a car for 100 miles. Let's see if we can get our kids to not poke each other, you know. And uh, you've grown past that, Josh. <laughs> they openly loved each other and they openly loved the Lord. Went to this church. They, they did ministry at the church we were at down in, uh, down, down in Central America. So at the end of the trip, I was so impressed. I was going through the airport and the mom was there and I said, what one of the most important things you did in raising kids, I said, I want to tell you, I am so impressed with your family. I am so impressed with your kids. What did you do? Because our kids at the time were much smaller. They were probably like, you know, eight and five or something. And I said, I want my kids to turn out like this. You know, and what did you do? And she said, it was an interesting answer. She said, have you ever read the book, The Blessing? And I think it actually has two titles. I think it's also published under the book, The Gift of the Blessing. She said, have you ever read the book, The Blessing by, by Smalley and Trent? And I said, I've heard of it, Christian, two Christian authors. She said, this is it. Get the book, read it, and do it. I said, really? You know, Christian book? She said, get the book, read it, and do it. That, those are the principles we've put in place in raising our kids for the Lord. And you see the outcome. I said, wow. Guess what I did? I got the book. <laughs> we read it 10 years ago. We read it. And we have been doing our best to apply the principles of this book, which you're going to find are just purely biblical principles, to, the, to raising our kids. And i got to tell you, I know I'm biased, but I think my kids are turning out pretty well. Amen! <laughs> Don't worry about giving them a big head. So, and I wasn't looking for that. I didn't, sorry, Josh. But um, Brett's probably hiding somewhere. You're over there. They're turning out great. I love my kids. They're respectful, they're hardworking, they're good kids. Uh, they love the Lord. Um, I give part of that credit to reading this book after watching that lady. And we both looked at it and we said, you know what? And so we did. We read this book. We said, we are doing this and this. But there's a couple of things I looked at and said, I'm not doing that and that. And it began to do that and that. And it began to have a positive effect. In the book, and basically our sermon today, I'm going to talk about some principles out of that book. In that book, which is right out of Scripture... We're going to read some scripture in a minute. Um, they basically teach about the Jewish, that Jewish people 
since the beginning of time have practiced blessing their children. They practice a blessing. We think we've been going through Genesis. We all the times that the dads would go and lay hands and bless their kids. They talked about how they blessed their children for thousands of years and how blessing your children has a positive impact on your kids. And the, and the book talks about how Old Testament characters like Isaac bless their children and that their parents, even parents today in um, Judaism, still practice the elements of the blessing in the lives of their kids as they raise them. And so what I want to do is I want to look at one of the Old Testament blessings. I want to pull out some elements that we can apply while we parent our kids. We're going to look at five elements out of the blessing, out of one blessing. You can go to many blessings and find the same elements in them that we then take this and apply this principle to raising kids or grandkids or influencing kids people at church. Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 27. It says, So they came close and kissed him, And when he had smelled the smell of his garment, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who cursed you and blessed be those who blessed you. We come in the middle of a story here. It's a story of, of Isaac blessing Jacob. And we just talked about that a few, a few weeks ago as we went through Genesis. The story of a blessing that really is a stolen blessing in this situation. But a blessing where Isaac comes and he's, he knows his, son is getting, his sons are getting older and he needs to pass a blessing on to his children. And he, he blesses him. And, and there's some things we find in this blessing that are really tangible things that we can pull out and we can apply to to our lives as we raise kids or we influence them within the church. And so I'm going to go through five of them. The first one that I see from the, from the blessing, a thing we can pull out, is that the blessing began with meaningful touch. I want you to think about that. The blessing began not by just speaking to the guy. It says something. It says he brought his son to him, he hugged him, and he kissed him. Now, understand this. His son was a young adult. His son wasn't one or two or three. We have no problem with it at that stage. But he brought his, his fairly adult son, his adult, adult grown son, who's now going to flee and go to Laban's, the homeland to Laban. So he's, he's on his own. He's mature. He's adult. And he's going to bless him and he brings him to him and he grabs him with his hands and he hugs him and he kisses him. One of the things, friends, that our kids need as we raise them is they need meaningful touch. From, from adults, they need meaningful touch from mom and dad, especially. You know what your kid needs? Your, kids need, your kid needs your hugs and your kisses. I'm going to talk about that. Some of you say, uh, not for me. You can, I hope you change your tune by the end of this. See, we live in a culture where we stop being very touchy with our kids once they get into a grade school. Once they hit about that big, we stop, you know, we maybe pat them on the back or something, but we stop the hugging and the kissing, the sitting on the lap, the things we all did when they were little. We, we stop all that stuff once they get about grade school. But just because our culture says that, I do not mean, I do not think that means it's correct. Just because our culture kind of says, well, at this age, you stop touching your kids. You see, study after study tells us that people need to be touched. We don't ever doubt that when we talk about marriage, do we? If I got some husband who will never hold his wife's hand, I'll say, Guy, you're dumb. Get on board. Do what you're supposed to do. Help let your wife know you love her. One of the ways she knows you love her is you touch her. Right? That would be common sense, common sense marriage counseling. 
But you see, study after study shows that, that people need to be touched, including children. And that you know, we live in a, a hard world, and the family needs to be the place of security and escape and, and comfort and love. And that, com- that comfort that's communicated through touch. UCLA did a study, university. It was found that just to maintain emotional and physical health, men and women need eight to ten meaningful touches every single day. Now, if that's true for adult men and women, isn't it true for a teenager? And here's the thing you need to think about today. If your kids aren't getting that at home, where do you think you're going to get it? If we're created by God in such a way that we need to be touched, and we're not getting it at home, where do you think we're going to get it? I would say this, moms and dads, we can spare our kids the pain of trying to meet their emotional needs outside the family unit by giving meaningful touch. And I mean this kind of almost exclusively within, I said this applies to the church family too, I'm saying this applies almost exclusively within the family unit at home. Maybe the extension do at church, you know, it's me with kids at church, and what I do is pat them on the head. Maybe reach on sideways and hug them because we live in a, in a weird world. But at home, you know what? We can spare our kids a lot of pain of trying to figure out where they're going to get touch by touching them at home. And dads, I mean this especially for you. You know one thing, I've been accused of a lot of things in my life, but you know one thing I've never been accused of is being a wuss. You know what that word means, right? I've never been accused of being effeminate in my entire life. I was born all male, I'm 100% male. No one questions it. You know, right now I'm wincing through my sermon. People pray for me beforehand because I got broken ribs from wrestling with Josh. Okay? You know what? He, he got the better of me. We were wrestling. And... Uh, he was going to give me a timeout, he said. We were completely playing. <laughs> He's going to put me on, put me on, my, on, on my, our bed. And I said, oh, no, you're not. So I tried to smash him into the dresser. Said, and he threw me down, and we both went down, and I, just, and I crushed my ribs. So, um, so I'm, in, I'm in, you know, a lot of pain today. You know, they had to drive me to church. They had to consider, could I come up on a platform um, today? And I've been worshiping like this, clapping like this, telling people, don't tell me jokes, because if I laugh, it hurts really bad. I prayed for me before church, and I'm feeling pretty good right now. But there's not a effeminate bone in my body or my boy's bodies. Okay? It's just the way we are. They're football players and wrestlers, and we, we love to go out in the woods and shoot things. You know? <laughs> and there's not a day that goes by that I don't hug and kiss my boys. If they try to walk out the door of my house without getting a hug and kiss, either Susanna or I'll yell, Where do you think you're going? Get back in here. And I give him a hug and a kiss. I learned that from this book. See, I was raised in a, world, in, a, in a family where you don't do that. Men don't have emotions. Men, you know, real men would never hug and kiss their kid. I look at a real man, this patriarch of God. He's going to bless his kids and he brings them to him and he hugs them and he kisses them before he blesses them. You know, as parents, we need to express our affection to our kids through appropriate touch. Now, I don't need to explain about appropriateness here. I'm not, you guys, I'm not being weird for a second, and don't you dare take it to that extent. I'm talking about, this is my boys. You know, I was so blessed a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't want to embarrass you, but Josh got done with playing the drums, and he came down here. It was after church. The service was over, and he walked, I was standing down here, and he walked up to me, and he didn't even think about it. He probably didn't realize it. He walked up, he gave me a hug, he kissed me in the cheek, and he said, thanks for being a good example, Dad. And he walked out of the door. It was just totally normal for him to give me a hug and a kiss and, and walk out the door. In public, with people around. You know what? 
The fact of the matter is, that happened because of this book. Because if I hadn't read that book, I would have never done it from the time he was 10. I said, oh, bro, man, you don't do that to be a real man. Guess what? You come in our house, Suzanne always says this. There's testosterone dripping off the walls of our house. We even have a male dog. You know, and she's like, she's the princess. She's the queen, and, and we're all her little jesters is what it really is like. Because, because we're always killing each other. We're always, you know. But it's good, you know, when we were, we were wrestling, it was fun. We weren't fighting. There wasn't a, a, a bit of, of, um, of vengeance or meanness. We were just having a good time together. You know, we've got to stop that, though, when your kids are both bigger than you, and they both are now. Um, so anyways, physical touch. Appropriate touch. Your kids need it. That's the first part of the blessing. Let's move on. Second part. Started with a touch. He pulls them and he hugs and kisses them. Second part. Um, the blessing contained a spoken message. The blessing contained a spoken message. Isaac spoke the blessing to Jacob. He said what was on his heart. The spoken message was not only was not just communicating content. When you speak words to each other, a message of a blessing, the words communicate feelings. This, being a strong, silent type all the time isn't the greatest thing. You know, I'm on the other end of the world of spectrum of of of, of jabbering. I know that, but sitting and saying nothing, especially not saying positive stuff, is not good for our kids. There is great power in the words that we speak. The book of Proverbs, the 18th Proverbs, says this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, we need to, as we got to think about our tongue. We need to guard ourselves against speaking negatively into our kids' lives. And we need to guard against constant criticism and nagging. So we've got to be careful what we say. You know, there's an old saying that says, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you or names will never hurt you. That's the biggest lie on the planet. Your words hurt. I'll tell you this. It is easier for me to heal from cracked ribs than it would be if Josh were doing something and he said, I hate you, I can't stand you, I never want to see you again. I would remember that till the day I died. This, this will go by and someday we'll laugh and we'll be doing something 20 years from now and say, remember that time we wrestled and I slammed you into the dresser and you broke your ribs? And I'll probably kick him or something because I'll be in a walker by then. But, but um, you know what? Um, it is not easy to heal from hurtful words that are spoken, especially words spoken by a mom and dad. Because remember, your parents, this is the safe place. This is a place of security. We live in a rotten world, but this is a safe place. We need to speak words into their lives that are, that are positive. You know, many of you can remember things that your parents said to you years and years and years and years ago that were negative and hurtful. And I was going to say this, it doesn't go away easy. Moms and dads, we have to speak a spoken message that's positive. Don't make that mistake with your kids of passing it down. Remember I said there's some things you got to unlearn? Just because your dad told you you were dumb or ugly or incompetent, don't you pass it down to your kid and say, well, that's just natural. That's what a parent says to your, their ch- parent. You know, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're incompetent. No, you don't do that. You break the cycle. And you speak words that are a blessing. Speak words of love. Speak words that are a blessing. Much more than speaking words of criticism and fault finally, fa- finding. You know, we not only have to communicate our love through our meaningful touch, we also have to tell our kids that we love them. We need to tell them um, that we are proud of them. We need to tell our kids that we believe in them. Ask yourself this question. Do a little evaluation later. Do you spend more time, more words, correcting your children or blessing your children? Ask yourself that question. 
I hope the bet the scale balances way this way. Way more blessing, much less criticizing. Friends, part of the blessing is speaking healthy, positive, uplifting words into the lives of your children. Can you imagine if today in church, what would happen if each of us said something positive and uplifting to a child at church? If we went out of our way to walk through the halls of our church, and instead of being worried about a donut, and I'm picking on donuts today, we were more concerned with what child can I go and say something positive to. You know what would happen? Those kids would say, next Sunday, I can't wait to go to church. They'd say, you know what? I kind of like the Jesus that that church teaches about. Because they would learn it because people are positive to him. So, we speak those positive words. Number three. This one's very closely related, but I'm going to point a little difference with it. The third thing is this. The blessing also attaches high value to the one being blessed. The blessing attaches high value to the one being blessed. When Isaac gave his blessing to Jacob, he was telling him how valuable he was. He was blessing him and said to him, you are an important person. Matter of fact, you're so important that the nations are going to bow down before you. He even says your brothers and sisters are going to bow down before you. He says, you are an important person. And the point that I want to make about this is that we need to communicate to our kids that they are valuable because of who they are, not because of what they do. That our children are valuable. You know what? You can't, cre- you can't predict on how your kids are going to come out and turn out. You can't predict which skills they're going to have, no matter if you wish your kid would be the starting point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks, which they could use. You know, you, you could wish that all day long, but if they're born four foot seven, you know, they're born, they don't get budget, they're not going to be a starting player in the NBA. And so sometimes we only give people blessings that when they achieve, but the danger in that is that they become set, they sense that they only have to earn their love then. And friends, I would tell you this. We need to make sure that we teach our kids that we, we value them because of who they are, not for what they do. You know, we're pretty good at valuing our kids when they do something special. We, they're probably in the parking lot. Matter of fact, there are because my car's in the parking lot. You, go in, you look at my van and it'll say, I'm a proud parent of a Grafton High School honor student. Because for both of my boys, on all our cars, because both boys are honor students at high, in high school. Proud parent of an honor student. You know what? Uh, we're good at celebrating good things. Celebrating wins. They win a wrestling match. We celebrate. They make a tackle in football. We celebrate. They get good grades. We celebrate. They look nice. We celebrate. And we tell them how valuable they are. And that is appropriate. And it is right. And we should do that because we want our kids to be successful. But it is imperative that we instill in our children that their value is not in what they achieve, but in who they are. Because if we don't, they will learn, we have to communicate that we love them as much when they lose as when they win, because if we, if we don't do that, they're going to be in this vicious cycle thinking that their value is tied to performance, and they will forever be trying to earn love instead of simply receiving love. And in that cycle of trying to earn love, there is no contentment in their life. We want them to learn to be content in the family, content in Jesus, that this is a safe place. And if they think they always have to be earning love and respect in their family by succeeding, we rob that from them and we teach them that you can't just receive love. You know, let's love our kids the way God loves us. We don't have to earn our love from God. 
He doesn't expect us to perform for him so that he loves us. Can you imagine that? God says, oh, Mark, I'm sorry, you can't receive salvation because I, when I created you, I really was hoping that you would become um, you know, a, a good baseball player. And you're not good enough. I'm sorry, I just don't love you the way, the way you should, the, the, way, the way you want. We would never think of God that way. You know, he doesn't expect us to perform to earn his love. No, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us in spite of ourselves. And we, we can't earn his love no matter how hard we try. He just loves us in spite of all of our failures. Friends, we need to, for our, for our kids' sake, let them know that we love them and accept them and value them just for who they are. And for who they are is wonderful. No matter if they do the things that you thought they were going to do. No matter if they become what you thought they were going to become. Because that all, there's so many intangibles in that. We've got to let them learn, feel that they're loved just for who they are. So that's the third part. High value. Fourth part. Fourth part of the blessing is this. And I love this one. This is one... This is one that I really took from the book. I took the, I took the, the, um, the special touch, you know, touching our kids, meaningful touch. I took this one and the last one. I really said, okay, I got to work on this one. This number four was really real. Picture a special future for the one being blessed. That in the blessing, you picture a special future for the one being blessed. You know, Isaac pictured a great future for Jacob. He said, Jacob, here's your future. God is going to give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth. He's talking about blessings. He said, Jacob, God is going to give you grain and wine, and there's going to be people serving you. Nations are going to bow down to you. Anybody who blesses you will be blessed. Anybody who curses you will be cursed. He said, you've got a great future ahead of you, Isaac or Jacob. You know what? We need to do the same thing. We need to communicate to our kids that God has a great plan for their future. That if they will walk with God, and that's the big if. If they will walk with God, they can mess it up by walking away from God. But if they will walk with God, that God will bless them and give them success, that, they, that, that we need to communicate that so much that they begin to believe it because it's true. We're not trying to trick them. We're telling them the truth, that God has a great future for you. And if you walk with him, he is going to fulfill this great and awesome and wonderful future for you as you continue to walk with God. You see, there is life-shaping power in communicating a special future to your kids. They can achieve great far more if they believe they're destined for greatness, they're created for greatness, as opposed to, well, I'm just created to exist and survive. We can shape their very lives by communicating that there's a special future waiting out there. They will dream bigger and they will climb higher if they believe that they can achieve. And the foundation for that belief comes from a mom and dad instilling in them that they were created by God to thrive and to to succeed. It's kind of like the uh, young Jewish mother who was walking down the street one day proudly walking with with a baby buggy with her two little twins inside of it. And she's walking down the road, and, and a, a lady, her neighbor, comes walking out, around the corner and sees her and hasn't seen the babies yet. And she looks at, oh, what beautiful babies. And she says, What's, what are their names? And she goes, well, that's, that's Bernie, the, the doctor, and, and Reuben, the lawyer. You know, and they were all about this long. She expected her kids to accomplish great things. She said, that's, a, that's, that's my baby. Yeah, he's my baby, but he's a doctor, and he's a lawyer. You know, she believed that her children had special futures and great potential. 
Suzanne has done a wonderful job of instilling her favorite verse into our family and instilling it into our kids. Her favorite verse. You ask her, you ask my boys, I'll tell you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And she has been the champion in our family of letting our kids know God has great things in store for you. Because God's word says so. So if you walk with God, greatness lies before you. You know, we help to positively shape our kids' lives when we instill in them a belief that with God, no dream is beyond their reach. My dad said it like this. My dad wasn't a Christian when I was raised, but I give him a lot of credit for this. He'd always say, Mark, you can do anything you put your mind to. That was at a time when Mark was dyslexic and deaf, and they didn't know I was deaf, and they hadn't done surgery in my ears yet, and I couldn't hear, and everybody said I was stupid as a rock, and I couldn't even pass a class in school. My dad would always tell me, Mark, you can do anything you put your mind to. He'd add now with God. Well, then they did some surgery in my ears and figured out I had some learning problems and fixed them. And guess what? From then on, A, 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 A. And it wasn't just because of, of, of intelligence. I really believe it was this, because I had a dad who kept saying to me, you can do anything you try. You can do anything you try. Anything you try. And I just believed that. I believed he instilled in me I could do anything in the world. And then I learned later I could do anything through Christ who strengthens me. That's what we need to instill in our kids. Not like, oh, you're just a dummy, you won't accomplish anything. No, God created you to be a superstar. And that looks different in different settings. doesn't mean they got to be rich or anything like that. It just means they can thrive with Jesus. Number five, the last point. The last part of the blessing, and this was one, another one I felt, man, i got to really commit to this, is this, that you need to have an active commitment to fulfill the blessing. That the parents and the outsiders need to have an active commitment to fulfill the blessing that they blessed the kid with. See, this is the responsibility that goes with giving the blessing. If you're going to bless your kids, there's responsibility that goes along with blessing your kids. It says, I believe in you, and I'll do all I can to help you succeed. See, it takes our time and our energy and our resources to help our kids succeed. But if we have the idea right that these kids are a gift from God, suddenly it all makes sense to us. If we remember that, that everything we have, all the goods and services and abilities that we have are really gifts from God and we're supposed to manage those for Him, we're stewards of those things that He's entrusted to us, then one of the most God-honoring ways to invest those resources is to invest them into our kids so that they become what God intends for them to become. To be used, understand that I'm used of God to help somebody else grow and develop, do all I can so they become what God created them to become, so that then they can become something great. And that's the job of a parent. You know, this is, there, there's a paradigm switch that needs to happen probably with some of you. Because you see it exactly the other way around. That kids exist for you. Kids are to be heard and not seen. And sometimes they do need to shut up. But you know what? The old farmer mentality that a lot of you were raised with, I was raised with, basically says this, you know, you have lots of kids so they can work the fields. Right? Right, Dave? It's farmer mentality. That's your dad's mentality. Have lots of kids so they can do lots of work. You know what? That's backwards. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying there's nothing wrong with teaching how to work hard. We do need to teach our kids how to work hard. That's a, a thing. We don't have a problem with that in the society, though, in, in, with a bunch of Germans and Norwegians and stuff that are here. We all understand working hard. We need to instill that in our kids. But remember, God gave you children so you could raise them for him, for his service. 
He didn't give you children to serve you. He gave you children so you could raise them for him. It's a ministry unto the Lord to partner with God in developing your children. To be committed to doing all that you can do to see your kids reach their potential in Him. It's ministry. It's using His resources for His glory to help your children become all they can become. Because then when they become all they can become, God will use them greatly to impact the world. And so it's accomplishing God's work as we invest in helping our kids succeed. Now is that easy? No. Do they do dumb things? Yes. But you know what? Who's the adult in the situation? We are. So let's wrap this thing up. Our children are gifts from God. God can use us to bless them so that they become a blessing to him and to us. What greater reward in the world could there be than when a man is on a missions trip and he walks up to a mom that's a stranger and says, I've been watching your kids for 10 days. What in the world did you do? Help me. I can't think of a parent any greater reward on the planet than to say, your kids are awesome, what did you do? And she says, bless them. Let's stand this morning.